And welcome back, everyone. We've got a great guest for you today. It is Pete Corner, who one of one of the most prolific odds makers in Las Vegas for many, many years, uh, setting the initial betting lines on sports for at one point virtually every casino on the strip. So. We're going to get the inside story as to how these odds makers set those lines, and perhaps you can get an edge in figuring out how to beat those lines. Pete, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, James. I appreciate it. So did, did I overstate that at all, that, that you were setting the lines for, for every Vegas casino? Yeah, the company I had, I actually uh, started with uh, the infamous uh, Michael Roxy Roxborough uh, back in 1987 and uh, worked for his company, Las Vegas Sports Consultants. Uh, for 17 years. Uh, I worked there uh, as operations manager and senior odds maker, a full team of excellent odds makers. And then uh, I decided to branch out on my own. And I got, uh, I received a, a license from the Nevada Gaming Control Board uh, to do business with the uh, casinos and basically started the company and flushed out Las Vegas sports consultants. After a few years, we had pretty much a, a monopoly on things for about 15 more years after that. And then, the, of course, the uh, the industry has uh, changed in the past five years, and uh, it's exploded onto the scene across the United States. So, yeah, you oh, know, okay. we've got a myriad of, of listeners to the show of various levels of of sports betting knowledge, but we'll we'll just kind of start with some of the basics here and assume that people aren't familiar with exactly how that works. And, and this is the first time I've ever spoken directly to an oddsmaker, so I'm excited to make sure that I understand this properly. But it's my understanding that what an oddsmaker does is uh, when, when the, a, a casino is going to offer betting on a particular game, you got to put a line up there. You got to put Lakers minus six, Celtics plus four, et cetera, so that the betters can take either side of that because obviously one team is, is favored and, and somebody has got to set that initial line in hopes right. that betters, half of the betters are going to take one side and half are going to take the other side. Right. Right. Exactly. Uh, two way action is what we're looking for. The interesting thing is what you should know, uh, what everybody should know as far as what a point spread is, it's merely a perception. It, it, it's not rocket science. Uh, to uh, setting the odds. It's really not that difficult, but it's more of a perception of uh, where that watermark is, where we can get two-way action. It's not a clear sign of who's favored. It's not a clear sign who's going to win. It's strictly a financial uh, water level mark that we can get that two-way action. Once the game starts, if there's two-way action, we don't care who wins. And you oftentimes get uh, the pundits on sports TV saying, wow, you know, a 20-point favorite lost the game, and it was remarkable. It really, the point spread really isn't, I mean, it is a factor in a sense that we are looking at data, uh, teams that are absolutely doing really well uh, compared to teams that are not doing well will naturally form a point spread in the area, in the ballpark where we think we can get the two-way action. Uh, the, the object of a line is to move. When we see there's money on, on a certain side, the money, the money, the line has to be moved by the uh, bookmaker. And if the bookmaker does it correctly, they can get two-way action by manipulating the line up and down according to uh, the play, according to their customers. And, uh, and then when the game kicks off, hopefully, uh, and it doesn't happen as, as often as you think. Uh, there's lots of two-way action, but there's always risk on a game. We're always rooting for some side, uh, but hopefully it's not uh, too much. 
as like in a, in a, uh, a championship uh, game where we get a lot of action, um, uh, there may be risk on one side. So there, it's, it's life or death on that one particular day. Yeah, in, in a perfect world, you've set a line where half the people bet one side, half to bet the other, and Vegas makes their money on the vig, the juice, the fact that exactly. you got to bet you got to bet one hundred and ten dollars to win a hundred, um, and and that's how Vegas makes their money naturally. That's how that's that's how I made my money. I that eleven to ten was absolutely so important as uh, the bottom line. That it is so tough to beat in the long run. And that's what really saved my job, always having that edge of 11 to 10. In the long run, we know the sports books will carve out a profit on that mere 11 to 10 uh, differential. Right. But wouldn't you say you're, you should be judged, roughly speaking, on setting a line that ultimately does not need to be moved, that you set essentially kind of a perfect line. You set it at six. You, in fact, got half on one side, half on the other. Good job, Mr. Oddsmaker, as opposed to you set it at six and everybody started betting the hell out of uh, the Lakers minus six. And all of a sudden the casino now has to move it to minus seven. They don't like that. Right. That's absolutely right. And actually uh, the misconception is when we, that we're setting the opening lines, we're hopefully setting the closing line. We're hopefully that that line doesn't move. It will move. We know it, but uh, it depends on the limits of, of the of the participating sports book, how much they'll take, where they're at. Certain games, certainly with uh, uh, now with uh, so many states uh, in the sports wagering, they know that their home teams will get action. Unlike those same teams won't get that same action uh, in another state. So they have to, when they see a certain line come out uh, in a general uh, layout for the numbers, uh, they may want to adjust that. They may want to hike up the, the home team a little bit to take a play away from the players and always be a little bit higher than or ahead of the line than the rest of the nation. Mm -hmm. So um, you, you said you're setting a line basically based on public perception of that game, because again, it's all about understanding what you think the public perceives so that they'll half will vote will bet one way half will bet the other as opposed to what you might truly think should be the line based on your knowledge of these teams is that right yeah yeah and, and a good example is let's say uh, let's just target something let's say like nba totals this year out of sight the, the, the scores are huge last night i think philadelphia beat indiana 147 143 in regulation um we know when we're setting the totals for the NBA, I could see that. And I look at it two different ways. One, as a handicapper, I say, wow, that's, they're going to go way over on this game. But I know where the money is. You really, really can't, I can't set, I can't put an NBA total at 255. Let's put it that way. It'll automatically be bet down no matter what. Even if I think it's going to fly over, I have to segregate the two feelings of what my betting perception is and what the line making perception is. So um, we know we can't right now, we haven't set a line, uh, an NBA total in the 250s, but certainly in the 240s uh, when it comes to some of those high scoring NBA teams. So we are looking at it in all different ways. I have to look at it from the betters perspective. I have to take a look at how they're looking at it. I try to look at the information they're looking at so I can come up with a similar line that they think should be the number. If we match, then I've got them. Uh, I think the odds maker and books, bookmaker, two out of three times, I think we can win. If we have the line, it's two-way action, 
Good. We cut it off. We can we get the juice. If they bet it wrong, then we get the juice again. If they get it right, they win. So we're always looking at the information that the gamblers are looking at so we can be near their thoughts on each game. What some people would refer to as the dumb public that you have to keep in mind, roughly speaking, the dumb public, which is just kind of betting with emotion and betting trends and this and that, as opposed to people who are genuine sports experts. And so therefore, doesn't that create an opportunity for someone who is a real sports expert to see that, aha, that line is too high because they know that everybody loves Notre Dame or what have you. And I'm going to take advantage of that line being off because of the dumb public. Well, let's not call them dumb public. We call we like to call them casual betters. And uh, the other side are the wise guys. When Nevada was the only state legally, um, the wise guys carried a lot of weight. Uh, bookmakers on the strip all over Nevada um, knew who the big players were and waited for that money to come in to move the line if necessary. If a dentist from St. Louis came in and had $10,000, wanted to bet a hockey game or something, you, the bookmakers wouldn't move the line on that money. But if a wise guy came in and bet the same amount of money, they would move the line. Uh, so you're playing to faces. Now, the wise guys, uh, I hate to say aren't as influential, but because there's so many different outs now, so many different places to make a legal wager, they have to, they'd have to spread out their money multiple of times, uh, more than they probably would want to, because uh, there's so many different places to play that uh, they can't move the line as, as, as quickly as they once did. They were actual, actually manipulating the line for their benefit uh, using the public's bias for home teams or betting the over. These are, we know this is the way the public, public bets. And they would use that uh, in manipulating the line to get the best of it and then betting against the public, which they still do now. Uh, and a lot of people do to get their best uh, number that they can play on. But casual bettors uh, are, make up so much of the, of the volume of betting that we have. Uh, wise guys, uh, are are very important to the bookmaker. Uh, they're the ones who will move the line, and uh, that's where the bookmakers want to get. Uh, they want to get to that certain level, so they'll have both both sides uh, represented in the in the value. Okay, now let's talk about the role of of sports handicappers. These are guys that are basically pro- predicting who's going to cover the spread. You guys set the spread and then they, they tell people whether who they think is going to cover and they'll sell their picks to people and pay them for their inside information. And a lot of it is, you know, a little bit kind of scammy uh, as far as how it's, how it's promoted, but some sports handicappers are, are legit, I guess. One in particular I want to ask you about is, is a guy called Dr. Bob. And I'll never forget uh, a wall street journal article about Dr. Bob. And if I recall the, the article correctly, this is about 10 years ago, it was basically saying that this guy is a Berkeley statistician and so on. And effectively, he was seeing the opening lines that you guys were setting. And based on his formulations, he could tell which ones were off and so on. And he would put his betters on that particular side and that he was so successful that the sports books started 
listening to him or watching his what he was putting out there and changing lines basing what he was putting out there that's what i recall the article saying tell me if that's a true story i'm totally unaware of him having any influence on on the betting markets uh if he was successful he betted himself by the money he made was selling the picks rather than betting the picks um because if you're so successful why would you tell anybody the, the best your your advantage the line that he thought was the better line, he wouldn't get if he was telling the public, they would be banished. They would be moving the line and he wouldn't have value anymore. Um, not that I, look, we love touts. In Vegas, we love touts. They're bringing a lot of people into the fray, bringing a lot of money into the industry. And it's an industry that's been around forever. Uh, as I told you uh, before we started, I got my career started with Jim Feist. Uh, and I can honestly say when we gave out picks, it, it was one side, uh, good or bad. He had his good days, had his bad days, but he was legit. And I'm not saying anybody isn't legit. Uh, but if uh, you're a person who uh, doesn't have time to handicap and you want somebody's expert advice, um, I think you can do just as well by flipping a coin. Uh, you'll, you'll, be, you'll be around 50%. And that's what the bookmakers want. And, and I, I think you'd be most happy with that. The touts again are are it's if if they're legitimate and somebody likes the the uh, the the time they'll save with the play, then use a tout. But you're spending money uh, above and beyond what you need to. So you know it's an industry I never really got into, uh, but uh, never paid attention. We've never had a, a, a tout. I'm going to retract a little bit. There was a guy in in Wisconsin uh, who. Uh, had his big plays uh, in football. Everybody followed him. Apparently he had uh, uh, 20 years in a row. And for the life of me, I can't remember his name. I wish I could. Um, I think the old, the old blood in Vegas would remember him, but he is from Wisconsin. And uh, uh, he had some influence when, when the stories broke out, he had this 20 year in a row uh, prediction of a game. Uh, but it's it soon, as soon as he got to the public within a few years, he wasn't hitting the same uh, at the same rate. But uh, certainly uh, people have their uh, opinions and that's what the line is. It's an opinion. Uh, we are looking at data, team performance, injuries, just like everybody else. But ultimately it's an opinion that the line is. Again, it's not rocket science. You'd be amazed at the team of six people that I had, how we come up uh, with the line sometimes. It's It's very... Just shoot around the room, four, six, three and a half, two, five, four and a half. You know, that's the line. Basically, sometimes that is how we come up with the line. We're all in the ballpark. Let's stick it in the middle and see where it goes. And uh, um, I know in today's uh, industry, there's people that use uh, companies that say they use algorithms and they use all sorts of uh, uh, computerized systems. Um, I think it's a lot of BS. I think it's bullshit. It's we, I, I've never used algorithms and I had a successful 34 year career um, in odds making. Didn't need to do it. It's the same sports, same information. Uh, you don't need that. Uh, I see a lot of bad lines uh, during a, a very popular in-game wagering. I don't believe the... Uh, Bookmakers are watching the game. They strictly have a formula of what the score is, at what time it is, and how much time's remaining, and they create a line. But if they're not watching, if they're not seeing a major player, 
uh, is injured or during the game or has foul trouble, uh, we know that he'll return or they don't know the rotations. Uh, I don't, I, I see a clear advantage for gamblers, particularly with in-game wagering. However, in-game wagering doesn't offer the, the gambler-friendly odds. The, the There's big margins you have to overcome. You're not getting a nickel line or a dime line. You're, you're facing 30, 40, 50 cent lines, meaning if you bet the favorite uh, and, and, and someone bets the underdog, there's a clear gap, a huge gap where the bookmaker can make money. And, and that's where I think the bookmaker equals out the poor lines that they do have during in-game. I think it can be better... Uh, but I don't believe in all the alg- algorithms. Again, I'm not. I'm not trying to be old school here. I'm, I see it myself. I have an account uh, 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 with uh, with a major uh, bookmaking firm uh, that's across the United States, and, and I just see bad lines uh, on the uh, on the in game. I think there are lots of great book uh, odds makers around the world on the United States uh, sport sports scene. I think they do a great job, uh, but I think the in game is where it's a little bit weak still. All right, well, we got to take a break. And after the break, we're going to try and get a couple of tips from an odds maker for sports bettors out there as to how to take advantage of some lines that, that may be off. We'll cover that after the break. We're talking to Pete Corner. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast. The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert Warren Buffett once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel. A news story gets shared by a friend on social media, or you catch a tweet that really makes your blood boil. But how do you separate fact from fiction? That's the premise behind Disinformation, a 10-part series from Evergreen Podcasts and Emergent Risk International coming this fall. Tune in to Disinformation wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, don't believe everything you read. And welcome back. We are talking to Pete Corner. He is the Mr. Odds Maker from Vegas for an extended period of time, providing all the lines to the Las Vegas casinos. Now in semi-retirement in Portland, but fun to talk to uh, to to get the insight as to how these lines are set to begin with, and and therefore what opportunities there may be for 
for betters. So uh, along those lines, it seems to me, in my experience, it seems like there's two times when lines tend to move primarily. One is when you initially set that line because immediately now you're getting the, the, the bets on both sides, which could cause the casino to adjust it. And then I've noticed lines moving right before the start of the game. Um, and I'm wondering if you see that also that, that, yeah, it's pretty common that within 10 to 15 minutes of the start of the game, you'll see another line movement. Yeah, James, I think you hit that right on the nose. Uh, uh, we do see a sudden movement at the beginning uh, where we were uh, had a different opinion than some of the uh, uh, wise guys betters. And then most of the action after that is on game day and right before the game starts, because that's where the most information is being revealed, especially on TV now. They have updates on injuries. It's very important. And I think that sways a lot of money. And it is put at the, uh, at the very end of the uh, betting uh, portion uh, of an event. One of the things I think if there is a, a, a time where the line is weakest is at the beginning of every season, when no matter what the sports season, the first five, 10 games, we don't have much information. We don't have much information to go on. We usually use the previous years and kind of move it forward. If we saw a lot of player movement on a particular sport, um, we could uh, uh, adjust. But I think the, the gamblers, and, and, and as I noted, uh, as a, another, a talk that I had with you before, is uh, we are very receptive and knowing that there are gamblers that know more than we do uh, as odds makers, they're good and they're very good at betting and they will win, uh, no doubt about it. Uh, so we can't uh, worry too much. It's such a small percentage of the betting uh, market. However, we do and we do cater to the masses, uh, but they do their best at the beginning of the year when their opinions could be better than ours. Uh, once the season starts, and there's more data that they're looking at and then we're looking at, and we're all looking at that same data, those lines kind of come together. I think there's a different dynamic when playoffs start. Uh, I think there's a, an intensity that is very different than what you saw uh, during the regular season. And I think that could play towards the, the players who can create an edge uh, if they see something. But we're, as odds makers, we're trying to get the most information like the gamblers do. We, in the day, back in the, in the 80s and 90s, we didn't have updated uh, uh, injury reports, which are so important for us. Injuries are huge. Um, I can't watch every football game. I certainly can't watch every basketball game when it comes to college, per se. Uh, there's just too many. What I like to do is kind of check in every, every game that I can just to see the flow and make sure there's no injuries and then scour the... Uh, uh, the, the papers and the stories the next day online now, but we get these injuries quick. If there, if we find out LeBron James is out suddenly, it's out within 30 seconds to a minute. So if somebody has an edge, they can make a play, but it'll quickly be adjusted. Uh, so the players don't have that window of opportunity when it comes to that type of major movement. But getting back to the original point, at the beginning of a line, when it comes out, you will see that kind of movement. And at the end of the end, end of the betting process, near the end, when there's all the information is those big boys who, who put down some big money, they're going to uh, put it at the end of the game where the line doesn't have a chance to move or does move quickly very, at the very end before the game starts. Yeah, I, I feel like I've seen a trend that whatever direction it moves right before the start of the game tends to be an accurate 
projection. So in other words, if a team went from minus eight to minus eight and a half, all of a sudden right at the end, that is a pretty good bet to go ahead and lay the eight and a half. Is that well, if, you, if, you, if you trust that, sure. Um, but it's true though. If they're moving the, the line at the very end, that usually means there's some big money coming down. And that's not usually from the, the, the casual betters. That's usually from their better, bigger betters that uh, that have their opinion and they don't want to be behind uh, the line movement. So that is a tell, but also um, when it comes to the major games like a Super Bowl or as I mentioned before, a championship game where there's huge money, not many games going on at the same time, uh, the betting public, their money overcomes the wise guy. And that's where you probably want to go against that kind of movement. That's kind of the the, the standard saying bet against the public. So those big games where there's, you know, we have two championship games on a day, that's it. The betting public overwhelms the, the, the wise guy money and you'll know which way the betting public's going and you may want to go against that. I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to support that theory, but that's, what's, that's what people believe. Makes sense. So who are these wise guys? Are there actually people out there that are genuinely making a living sports betting? Yeah, and I, I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm not sure how the process is. Uh, in the past six years since the proliferation of sports gaming uh, has gone across the United States, how it's gone worldwide now, uh, it's a different beast. Uh, when we had the, the big-time bettors in Vegas uh, uh, betting, they had crews of people at every, at every casino, and when they were told to make the play, uh, they all went at the same time to the windows. You don't have that. You have uh, you have betting apps now. One person can have eight phones in front of them and, and make all the plays all at once, uh, depending on the, the limits uh, for each one. The betting groups, I'm not sure what the process is anymore. It's high tech now. It's it's faster. Uh, it's uh, um, I think it's more difficult to 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 book uh, certain sports now because of the lightning fast way money can come down uh, through these apps. I think they're wonderful. I think the betting apps are just terrific. And it offers, it's a, you were able to, the bookmakers are, are able to offer so many more bets because online you don't have space in the casino, in the casino, the sports book, you can only put the, the, the bets up that you could put on the boards. So you're restricted. So here on the, on the betting apps, you can put a ton of, of uh, uh, wagers uh, for the betting public, and uh, and it's very tough to monitor each and every one. I worked before I left Las Vegas. I was working at uh, William Hill Corporate before their takeover by Caesar's Palace, and I was the nighttime guy, and I ran the reports uh, every night for nine, ten, twelve states, whatever it was, and constantly monitoring every bet that came across our screens and it's it's tough and it's 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 very tough uh because people are working in teams uh they're working in different states trying to get the same bets and uh very tough to monitor and 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 if you're a if you're persistent uh it's a grind if you're going to make sports wagering a living it's not easy it's it's a lot of work a lot of research I know as an odds maker, we didn't we didn't have a day off. I worked my own company 15 years. We never had a day off. Uh, some days were lighter than others, but with the sports happening every day, 
And if you're a, a sports enthusiast who wants to bet it, you have to know what's going on. I've always told people the best way to bet on sports is to play the fantasy leagues. Uh, if you're going play a fantasy league, I know it's kind of corny, but you're aware of sports injuries. You're aware of other things happening, and it can only help you in your sports wagering. So uh, there are clear areas where bettors can carve a niche out um, and, and have a betting edge over the odds maker and the book. Yeah, yeah. In sports betting, you're playing primarily against other players, and uh, so there's a skill factor there where you can beat the other players as opposed to simply playing against the house. So if you're if you're doing the sports exchange, if you're doing exchange wagering, which uh, uh, I happen to have, uh, uh, I love sports uh, exchange exchanges. They're coming now onto the market. I myself have a, a sports exchange product I'm trying to peddle uh, for many years now. It's just tough to get the old school. Uh, bookmakers to accept it but uh playing against the players even a bigger benefit for the wise guy uh if you can get the lines you want uh then you're always going to be uh that percentage better than you were so um uh betting exchanges offer the gamblers uh, a unique uh look at better lines less juice and just gives them another out to uh uh, arbitrage, if they want to do that, work on both sides and win no matter what. So there's lots of that, that kind of thing now happening, which I think is just fantastic. I just think it's a great improvement on the industry. Yeah. Well, well, let's get into that. So tell us what that would look like if we're talking about your product and, and I want to make an online sports bet. Normally I go to the game and uh, it's Lakers versus Celtics and it's Lakers minus six and a half. And I could take the Lakers 110 to win a hundred minus six and a half or Boston plus six and a half, 110 to win a hundred. How does it look different on what you're uh, pushing? Yeah. Well, well with an exchange, uh, we would, uh, my particular app, we, we will put out a line that's similar to what's out there. That'll be our opening line. It's up to the betters now to, uh, to make an offer or accept an offer that, uh, that they personally like. So if the line is the Celtics minus six and a half, well, I don't want minus six and a half. I want minus six or I want minus five and a half. So what they do is they generate an offer on the app. They post it and we, let it out there. And if somebody says, you know, heck with it, I, it's for $10,000, let's say. And I'm going I'm going extreme here. Uh, I want to get $10,000 down. I don't care about that extra half point or point off. I want to get the money down. And I want to lay 102 instead of 110. Well, you're saving yourself a lot. The difference between a line at minus 102 and a line at minus 110, if you're a casual better and you win half the time and lose half the time and all you do is lose the juice, it's a difference of having to put another deposit in after three weeks or putting another deposit in after three months. So that difference in juice is huge. And I think the, the psychology of wagering, particularly on sports, particularly any, any sporting game, is you want players to play. And giving them an opportunity to keep playing keeps money in the system. If you constantly take their money by having sports lines, 50 set lines, you know, that are unfair to the gamblers, one, you're not going to get the, the volume and two, people are going to run out of money quicker. You want them to keep betting and have some sort of sense that they're getting the best of the line. So the exchange offers that to the players. For the bookmaker, there's no risk. They're going to get juice no matter what. It's two-way action every time. So the, so the casino wins. The Each side of the wager are happy with the offers. One offered it, one took it. They're happy. Everybody's happy. It's a win-win situation 
except somebody has to lose on the on the on the offer and the take. But uh, I think the wave of the future is exchange wagering. Betfair, uh, based out of England, is a huge model. However, uh, the interesting thing is, uh, still in Nevada, where I'm from, is the problem with exchange wagering in Nevada, and I'm not sure about every other state, certainly not uh, New Jersey that we're finding out, is somebody can make an offer. There's nothing illegal about making an offer. If you made an offer Celtics minus six, and I want to take the other side plus six, if I'm taking your offer, I'm booking the action technically, and I don't have a license to book action. That's the, uh, that's the uh, caveat of why it's not legal everywhere. I, my particular uh, app finds a loophole in that, a legal loophole, and it's been, it's, I know it's accepted by the Nevada Game Control Board. I just haven't been able to get a casino to sponsor it. However, exchange wagering is, I think, the wave of the future and can help a sports book if they carry both. They could lay off if they need to. If they have too much action, they could lay it off on the exchange and get the best of everything, get the best of both worlds. So I think as, as a gambler, you have a lot of outs, a lot of opportunities to get the best of the line, and you don't have to hang with minus 110 anymore, certainly with the exchanges. Well, one of the beauties also is you mentioned the celebrity volleyball game. Um, you have no problem offering the celebrity volleyball game because it, it, the house doesn't have to worry about it. It's two players playing against each other. So you could bet on just about anything. That's that's exactly right. You hit it right on the nose, James. We can, with exchange wagering, if somebody comes up, even if they say, hey, there's a UFC fight coming up and, and we don't know the fighters. Let's say there's just two guys who are just getting into UFC. We could just put the two out there. Let the players establish the line. And I've told that to many of the uh, um, directors at the sports book. This is an advantage of attaching a, a, an exchange to your traditional sports book. We could put out the line. We could put out the games before you post them and see where the gamblers are putting the line and using that information to put out into their traditional sports book. I, and I said there's a tremendous value with that, but uh, the safety of it for bookmakers is what I think would, is the biggest draw for them. So value. So, yeah, so, so how does the house make money on it then? Um, well, instead of minus 110, your players are betting minus 102. So you're going to get smaller juice, but you're always going to win. Mm-hmm. So that's that's how that's I mean, you're still generating juice just at a lower level. Mm-hmm. Or you could simply just say, hey, we take one percent of all wagers. Or all transactions. Yeah. And yeah, there's many different innovative ways with uh, with uh, exchange wagering. There is a, a couple of places that I know uh, uh, that do take. We'll just uh, we'll just take one uh, percent. Uh, and that is uh, that's a coup for the betters. Absolutely. The problem or the issues right now with exchange wagering is what they call liquidity. Uh, not many people are into it just yet, but not many people were into in-game wagering, and now it's very popular. I think uh, there's an education process uh, for anything new, and that includes exchange wagering. So people that will find out about it will learn about it, and the people booking that sort of uh, uh, format will learn about it and be able to uh, utilize Another way of booking, which is 100% profit, you know, you never lose. So so. let's just wrap up with, tell us what the state is of odds making today. You're no longer in the business. How has it changed? Is there just one company out there that's doing it? Or are there lots of them out there? What's the state of odds making today? Um, Certainly not the mom and pop shop that I had and where other uh, uh, traditional places that set the odds in yesteryear. 
we have huge companies like Sport Radar uh, that'll offer a million different offerings. Uh, they're very good at what they do. That company basically bummed me out of Nevada. I just couldn't, you know, there's, there's 200 wagers per game. I just don't have the time or the staff, which they did. Uh, I was, however, like I said, I'm pursuing this exchange wagering. So I was on my way out. And there's so many other states that have sports wagering. I don't need to hang in Nevada. Um, but the, the, the state of, of odds making uh, is now a huge consulting a consortium uh, with lots of people uh, engaging in the process to make sure that your sports book has as many opportunities, if not more than your competitors. And that's what they're doing. I think it I think it uh, takes away some of the profit because, like I said, monitoring, uh, particularly the very eso real esoteric props and things on and, and sports, very tough. Um, but that's the competitive uh, issue now with odds making is to get as much out uh, for your for your customers uh, so they can they can bet. Are some of the sports books actually doing it in house? They're, they've got their own odds makers to set the lines. Yeah, uh, I have good friends at uh, uh, what used to be the Hilton Kingdom for the name of the, whoever they are now. Uh, guys who set the odds, they used to be in the Imperial Palace. Uh, these guys are wonderful uh, odds makers and they're in-house. I've had a couple groups up in uh, Reno when I was there. They were tremendous odds makers and they produced for their own house. Uh, it's, an, it's, an ex, it's expensive if you do join these, these uh, particular uh, companies, but uh, if you have... Uh, uh, an app with your with your sports book. Uh, you'll you'll need to have odds makers to know what lines are good and what's bad. So it's good to have these types of people in staff uh, within your group. All right. Well, that was fascinating. My first ever discussion with a true odds maker. Uh, I got a zillion more questions, but we got to wrap up. But I think we left uh, everybody with a few a few tips as to perhaps uh, give you a little edge against your book. So Pete Corner, thanks so much for joining the show. Thanks, James. Thanks for having me. All right. Have a great one. I want you to smash that like button. <laughs> On any given day in Washington, policy proposals are created, debated, and decimated by tens of thousands of people and organizations working behind the scenes. On 80 Proof Politics, a guest and I will visit a D.C. watering hole and distill the art of advocacy by pulling back the curtain a bit and taking a look at how they play their part in the sausage factory we call our federal government. So if you're at all interested in how the sausage is made, pull up a chair, grab a drink, and join us. After all, what goes better with sausage than a tall, cold one?